are listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults Pastor, Dylan Young. Uh, it's so great to see you all. I would love to meet you afterwards. If you would come say hey to me, uh, that would be great. Um, man, it's good to see you guys. 2023, we're here. Um, Ten days in. Has anybody, like, I'll ask it this way, the positive way. Does anybody still have their, like, goal for the year going? Ten days in. Okay, good. I won't ask the other way. Um, I think I'm doing okay so far, but... Um, Y'all, we, uh, the, the series that we're in right now, we're going to walk through the book of Ecclesiastes. If you've seen it anywhere, we're calling this thing, Everything is Meaningless. Because when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, that's kind of what you're going to feel like for a little while. Is everything, what's the point of all of this? Um, and, you, and you feel that way at different times in life, whether you realize you do or not. Maybe you were watching the college football national championship game last night, and you're thinking, what is the point if we're not Georgia right now? Um, how are they? There's no point in us even trying, the rest of us. Uh, maybe some of you are thinking college football is the greatest sport ever because you're a Georgia fan. Um, but maybe some of you have ever experienced senioritis. I don't know. High school, college, it happens, right? Um, I know whenever I was a senior in college, I got to my last semester, the Christmas break before it, and I had been studying to go to physical therapy school the whole time. And then all of a sudden that Christmas break, I felt like the Lord was calling me into ministry, and I was like, well... It's physical therapy degree all of a sudden feels pretty meaningless. Um, so my senioritis hit pretty hard. Is anybody experiencing that? Maybe even now. Yes. Okay. If the ones that are honest are, are experiencing it. Um, and I, my grades dipped that semester pretty hard. Right? I, I tried to do pretty well. But, man, that hit. I mean, it felt meaningless. And I, I, I struggled that semester. Didn't see the point in it. And also I had met Rachel and started hanging out with her and that that played a role too, right? But uh, when, when, you're, when your purpose and your work that you're doing goes away, when you feel like that has disappeared, all of a sudden going to that night class on a Tuesday uh, doesn't feel as appealing as headed over to the basketball court and finding a pickup game going on. Or studying for that quiz that you know is coming in the morning doesn't sound quite as good as just hanging out with Rachel that night beforehand instead of studying. Like it doesn't feel like, what's the point? I'm not, there's my GPA's not on my degree, right? It's not on anywhere to be seen in my home. When your purpose goes away, when your meaning goes away, man, your, your attitude totally changes. It feels like, man, whatever goes, whatever happens, it's fine. What's the point anyways? Sadly, maybe some of you in this room and, and many people outside of these walls feel that way about life in general. They feel like, man, what's the point of all this anyways? Is there any meaning to life at all? Am I just going through the motions? Um, and, that's, and that's how they live their whole lives, just wondering, is there anything more out there? Um, and that is where the book of Ecclesiastes is going to take us. And I'm going to guess this, this might not be a book that you've spent a whole lot of time in on your own. Um, and it is a unique book. It feels kind of strange at times. Um, but man, if we will take the time to walk through this book, I think... Uh, the teacher in this story wants to bring up some deep stuff in us and wants to show us um, that there is meaning in life and that that meaning is found through Jesus. So as we walk through this book, especially as we read tonight even, I want you to let yourself feel the weight of what we're reading. 
because it feels heavy. And it feels like, man, if this is right, then what is the point? It feels like, why, how is this in the Bible? Um, well, where is this book trying to get us to? That's where we're headed. So we're in Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament. You're, you're right towards the middle of your Bible. You can always use the index if you need it. But Ecclesiastes, we're going to look at uh, chapter 1 tonight. There's this poem that the, that the book of Ecclesiastes starts with. And like I said, as we read these words, let them, let them sink in. Identify the things that maybe you've maybe even felt before or wondered, or wherever you may be, even right now. Let yourself feel these things, and then let's see where we end up. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams came from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. These are heavy words. And I hope you'll let them sink in and I hope you'll let the Lord do a work in you as we walk through this poem. If you're anything like me, you read something like that and you're like, this is in the Bible? Like, this is not what I expect from any kind of religious book, let alone the one that we subscribe to, right? Um, but, and before, we're going to get into the depth of this book. Uh, before we do, I want to give you a couple of insights just on the book itself. So... You see there at the beginning in the very first uh, verse, it says, the words of the teacher. So just as you think about this book, think there is somebody writing this book, and that person is not the teacher. So it's this outside person taking what the teacher has taught, the lessons that he has taught, and, putting, and has put the, the teacher's thoughts into this book. So um, this person, this teacher, whoever it may be, there's debate on this. King Solomon is who I probably think it was. I think that's the simplest solution. Oftentimes, that's our best solution. It could be a later writer portraying himself as King Solomon. Um, it could be a lot of different things. But um, I'm going to operate from the assumption that this is probably King Solomon as we walk through the book. It's neither here nor there. You can, we can differ on that. But regardless, the teacher has lived a life that most of us have not experienced. He has had everything the world has to offer. Um, and that is evident in, in the way he speaks as we, as we walk through the rest of this book. But he's tried it all. He's been there, done that. And what we're getting at in this book is what are his conclusions on the life that he's lived? So the, the teacher gives us all these thoughts, and then the one writing is going to give his thoughts at the end of the book. Now, verses 2 and 3 are kind of the thesis statements of this opening chapter, and we'll come back to those at the end. 
what I want us to do for a few moments is go from verse four on and walk through this poem and just see if we can relate to these things, see how we see them in real life, and then see what we do with them in light of verses two and three. So look back at verse four with me. The, the first thing that the teacher tries to do here is show us kind of the monotony, if you will, of nature. And what we can experience things through nature, oftentimes it mirrors our own lives. And he shows us this first example in nature. So look back at verse four. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, it hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the north and the south. Round and round it goes, ever turning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. Nature has a way of speaking into our lives. And as we read those things, the teacher is telling us, man, everything goes in cycles, right? Some things literally in circles. And that can be kind of what our lives feel like at times. And he even, uh, I think he's trying to get us to feel something. Like nature can make us feel a certain way. When we see it in a picture, when we experience it, nature makes us feel something. And I think what he's trying to get us to feel here is, man, is that what my life is like? Am I just kind of going in circles, same thing every day? Is that, is that me? Uh, and he's just driving home that point that life can feel monotonous at times. Uh, and he actually brings up some interesting things, too, if you think about it. The, the fact that the sea is never full. Like the streams come and streams go. They all go back. You know, they go back to their beginning. They flow into the sea. It's never full. <laughs> A principle there, the sea is never filled full it is never fulfilled. Maybe we can relate to that in some ways. Verse eight, all things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. We experience those two statements right there from very early age in life, right? Like my two boys, y'all don't know Paw Patrol yet, but Paw Patrol is the show. And they would watch the same episode of Paw Patrol until Jesus comes back, if we would let them, right? Like it's, they never get tired of watching. The eye is never filled with enough Paw Patrol. But maybe you feel the same way with some things. Like I, over the Christmas break, I took some time off of social media. It was so nice. And then when I got back on, I was reminded kind of of the weariness of it. I, I realize now how I'm picking up my phone and didn't even have a purpose. I'm on Instagram and didn't even realize I was on it, you know? I'm just scrolling and scrolling. There's weariness there. And, I, and I, I know that you know this, but I want you to hear me say it too. Instagram, TikTok, whatever your social media of choice is, I want you to realize they will never let your feed end. You will never get to the end of it. There will always be another post. There will always be another story. There will always be another viral video. Realize that and think if you need to take a step back from that. Uh, think about the control maybe that that has over you. Like they're they never going to let you get to the end of it. When you get to the end of all your stories at the top, there's a new one waiting on you when you get back to the beginning, right? Never going to end. We see it in different ways too. Um, all, the, all the different ways that we try to cope with life or the things that we look for satisfaction in there will always be another pornographic video to watch. You're never gonna be satisfied with one. 
there will always be another buzz or another high. The one that you're on now is always going to wear off and you're always going to need another one. There will always be more gossip to hear with your ears. You are never going to be satisfied no matter how much information you get on other people. Never going to be satisfied by the eye or the ear, right? We can all relate to these things in some ways. None of it satisfies. Look at verse 9. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was already here long ago. It was here before our time. This one feels self-explanatory. Man, any idea you have, somebody's had it before. Sure, technology changes and it advances, but just think about it. We're, we're, we're redoing the same thing over and over again. We used to ride horses and donkeys and camels. And then we rode in the Model T, and now Teslas drive us. Like it's, it's the same thing recycled over and over again. All the ideas you have, they're ideas that other people have had before. Man, is there anything new under the sun? And we, we, we've been doing the same things since the beginning of creation. And we see that in nature too, right? Like the earth has been spinning on the same axis for how, however old you think the earth is. You agree that it's been doing the same thing the whole time. It can feel monotonous. It can feel like there's nothing new happening Verse 11, no one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow him. That's humbling. Would any of you raise your hand and say, you know the name of one of your great-great-grandparents? I got two hands. Like, y'all, you are blood relatives of these people, and two of you can name somebody from three generations ago in your family, we'll be forgotten after we're gone. And it's not going to take that long. That's a humbling, humbling thought. These are sobering words. And, you know, they all flow, like we said earlier, from verses 2 and 3. Like, I, I wonder if at the moment you're kind of like, where are we going? Because I felt this way too as I have worked on this book for you. Um, you know, they all flow from verses 2 and 3. He gives these two big statements at the beginning. I want you to look back at them. Verse 2, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? You know, even if those words maybe even feel kind of dramatic, they're kind of true too, right? But I want you to be aware no matter how you feel about those statements, hopefully you're not in that place. But what I want you to hear is that there are a lot of people that do feel this way. Maybe some of you in this room, but y'all outside of this room, in a, in a world that doesn't know Jesus, this is how people live their whole lives. And we got to do something about it. A few statistics just about the millennial generation. I'm sure this goes for generations after that as well. 50% would argue that, quote, life is what you make it. There is no absolute value associated with human life. That's a sad statement. Another quote, they contend that life is most likely to have meaning when we experience maximum happiness. So meaning comes from happiness. Y'all, if that's true, we're all in trouble. 
Because <laughs> I don't know about you, not every day is just filled with happy all day long. Life is meaningless, so we chase after happiness. And unfortunately, that's led us to a place where, where another sobering stat is that in the millennial generation, suicide is the second leading cause of death. What we're trying to do in searching for happiness is not working. This is, this is not the answer. Hevel is the word translated meaning here. Meaningless. I want you to get this word because it's used a lot throughout this book. Hevel. We translate it meaningless here. This is the NIV and the CSB. It is futile. Uh, doesn't make a difference. Uh, other translations of the word hevel include vanity or pointless. Here we have meaningless. And this is the word he's going to come back to over and over again. Almost 40 times throughout this book, he's going to come back to hevel, hevel. Everything is hevel. That, that's the book definition of it, meaningless, vanity, all those things. But get the word picture. All of your life, all of your work, all of your school, everything that you're searching for to find meaning, here's the word picture. It is smoke, it is vapor, it is a mist. gone as quick as it came, little to no impact left, the life that you and others are chasing after, as soon as you catch up with it, there is nothing to grab. That's the picture Hevel gives us. Everything is Hevel. Everything is meaningless. This is not the uplifting motivational message maybe you anticipated as we start a new year. But I think maybe it's the message we need to hear to wake us up in some ways. Instead, it's an honest conversation about the uneasiness that a lot of us feel at different times inside. And I want you to see how it plays itself out. Everything is meaningless, so I answer to no one. Everything is meaningless, so I will do whatever I want with my body. Everything is meaningless, so I'm pretty sure the church is going to be okay without my money. Everything is meaningless, so why pray? Everything is meaningless, so I'm looking out for me, myself, and I. But what if? What if everything's not meaningless? What if everything is, in fact, full of meaning in this life under the sun as he describes it? Look back at those three words again as, they, as he ends chapter 3. This is where, verse 3, this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Those last three words, he says, all that he dwells at under the sun. This life that we're living under the sun. In this world that we're in right now, if this world is all that there is, then yeah, all these thoughts, pretty true. This is all there is. But here's what the teacher is trying to get you to do. I think he wants you to feel whatever that discomfort is that you're feeling right now. I think he wants you to feel even that it's an almost audible groan at times. There's, there's got to be something more. There's got to be. There has to be more than, all, than just this world, right? And y'all, we need, as I have prayed over this text and tried to let it sink into myself, what it has done over the last month or so is it's made me realize, y'all, we got to get moving. We, we need a fire lit up under us 
to reach people. Like, I love doing this with y'all, but we cannot stop right here in our padded seats and say, man, that was a fun Tuesday night. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Like, this is, this is not it right here. Now, y'all, I had, had it brought to my attention just a couple of days ago, and I, and I shared this with Carrie and Connor. This is where a lot of my motivation tonight, a lot of my energy is coming from tonight is the fact that uh, a lot of us know a statistic similar to this, about 75% of people that are going to come to know Christ, 75% of them are going to do it by the age of 18. Man, we got we to gotta make sure we're hitting people hard before they get out, of co- out to college, right? But here's the stat that doesn't get talked about as much. Of the people that come to know Christ in their life, 95% will make that decision to follow Christ by the time they get to age 30. 95%. Now, does God save people after age 30? All the time. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I hope you feel the urgency in that statement. Like, that's you guys. That's you guys. And it's not going to come from me or Carrie or Connor doing everything we can to reach the city. It's going to come from y'all. It has to be from us as a group effort making things happen. They're out there waiting for us to tell them that there is another way to live. There's another option. There's another way to look at life. And what we're going to do now is we're going to look back at this poem and we're going to do it from a perspective of, okay, there is a God who loves me and knows me. And let's see how that changes how we look at life, even through the lens of what is already written here. Look at verse three again. What do people gain from all of their labors at which they toil under the sun? Everything you're working so hard for. (laughs) Jesus slips that question on his head and he says, What does it matter if somebody gains the whole world and loses their soul in the process? Jesus totally flips the question around. Verse 4 again. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets. The monotony of nature, right? It hurries back. All the streams flow into the sea. Where they come from, they return again. What if we looked at it this way? That's unbelievable. Like how amazing is God's creation? That he set this thing in motion and it works. Like it, the sea has a boundary to it. All the streams keep flowing in the ocean, never overflows. Like we, we, this, is a, this is unbelievable. This has to be a design thing. This didn't just happen. There has to be a creator. The heavens and the earth declared the glory of God, right? Totally different perspective. Verse 8, the eye never has enough of seeing nor the ear its fill of hearing under the sun. Under the sun, that's true. But beyond this world, one day we're going to live in the presence of Jesus, right? Our eyes will never tire of looking at him and our ears will never grow weary of hearing people sing his praises. Psalm 16 tells us that in his presence there is fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. We will be full one day. Maybe not in this world, but we're going to be full one day when our life and our meaning comes from Jesus, Verse 9, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Jump down to verse 11. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. True, under the sun, everybody dies and gets forgotten. Jesus died even. But he defeats death. He takes the punishment for sin and he conquers it. And he is remembered through all generations by those who follow him. Oh, and there is newness to be found. Maybe not under this sun, 
But one day, right, there's a new covenant agreed upon by the blood of Jesus. And when you subscribe to Jesus and when you try to follow him and you trust him to take the punishment for your sins, you become a new creation and he gives you a new heart. This is all from scripture, not making this stuff up. Now, one day Jesus says he's going to make all things new again when he brings a new heaven and a new earth. There is new to be found. What is the teacher trying to tell us? I mean, if you're looking for meaning in your life, you're not going to find it here. It's not in this world. But beyond the sun, this is where the teacher wants us to get to. Man, this, this can't be all there is. Beyond the sun, beyond this world, man, when I trust that there is a God out there who loves me and knows me, and I let him be the one who gives me my meaning, all of a sudden, well, I'm on mission, Right? Like when I have trusted Jesus to take the punishment of my sins and I've found salvation through him, don't, don't tell me you don't have meaning. Like that's, that's, that's your marching orders now. Like you've got to go tell somebody else this. This is way too good a news for us to keep to ourselves. And as I've thought more and more about this, I've just thought, y'all, we, we've got to center our lives around this one purpose. And that means changing up your calendar. What? <laughs> What would happen if we, instead of filling up our calendars and then figuring out, all right, where can I fit in some time with God's people and some time in the Word? Where can I fit it in um, now that I've got everything else on the calendar? Now, what if we filled in our calendar with, okay, I want to know Christ and know Him well, and I want to be as close to Him as I can be. So let me put those things on the calendar, and then whatever else fits in, we'll, we'll see what else I can work into the calendar. What if we looked at it that way? What if we flipped things around? Now, that makes a difference. And, and you know, we have to, like you, you have the purpose. You found the purpose if you know Jesus. And we've got to go tell people this thing. And we, we, we don't have time to waste it. This, if the stat I read to you earlier is at all true, y'all, we, people in your generation are ready to follow Jesus. They're ready for it. They're not as scared of those conversations as you think they're going to be. Um, so, so my prayer for you as we close tonight is that you will read these words and realize, oh, I don't, this is not how I have to think about life. But, but also let the heaviness hit you that, man, there are so many people that do. Um, so many people that, that live their whole lives thinking this way, wondering if there's meaning and never finding it. That ought to break our hearts. Like, I don't, I don't want to live that way. I don't want anybody I know to be living that way. So, so here's what we got to do, y'all. And this is this is where we're gonna head the rest of this semester is I want to do everything I can to equip you guys to actually go out and be the church. Like the, the, the time is now, it's time to go. Um, I want to teach you guys how to share the gospel. We're, we're, we're gonna show you how to live in community if you're not already doing it. Now, we're, we're gonna fill, fit all of those things in. We're gonna figure out how to equip you guys because we can't, we can't just talk about it can't just talk about it. We've got to be about it. So the first step I want you to take, I'm going to give you something real tangible to do. You got note cards on your seat. I mean, as, uh, as we start to sing a song in just a moment, I want you to don't, don't stand to sing until you've done this. Take a moment and I want you to pray and I want you to ask the Lord to bring somebody to mind. Bring somebody to mind that does not know Jesus already, that you need to take Jesus to. That it's, they're in your circle of influence, right? 
Like it's, you know the Lord has put you there for a reason. You know your life has meaning and you know that person's part of it. I want you to, I want you to write that person's down on those two cards that you have there. One of those I want you to take with you and one of those I want you to put in a basket as you walk out tonight um, so that our team can be praying over those names. Y'all, we're going to do this together. Like put that note card on your dashboard, put it on your mirror, wherever it needs to be so that person can't leave your mind. And I want you to pray for them. Man, I want you to be bold. Like trust the Holy Spirit that he can guide you through a conversation that, that you're scared of. I get it. Y'all, I didn't, when I got to college, I had never thought about sharing the gospel. Nobody ever taught me how to do it, and I was scared to death to do it. There was no way I was entering into that world. But now that I have experienced some of that, man, that, that's our purpose. That's our meaning, and it's so life-giving. It's so good to trust Jesus with those things. So take a moment, pray over whatever name that may be, and I'm going to ask the Lord to bring it to mind for you. Um, and we're going to trust God to do amazing things in those people's lives. And we're going to trust him to do it through you. Um, so, Lord, God, as we close tonight, as we worship you in song and as we pray to you, I pray that you would be faithful to bring names to mind. God, we know that you'll do that. Why would you not do that? Lord, would you bring names to mind and would you help us to be bold and confident in the Holy Spirit that you have given us that when we trust you and when we take steps of faith, God, that you will be with us, that you will honor those. And Lord, we're gonna trust that maybe we might see a move of yours in this community and in the people that we work with, the people that we're at school with. No matter where we go, Lord, we take your presence with us. And we ask that you might change lives through us. God, thank you for the reminder of this text tonight. Lord, would you help us to never question the meaning that you give us, the meaning of life. Would you always remind us that through your son, we have meaning and it is a full and abundant life. God, we love you. We are thankful for the love that you have for us. And we pray it all in Jesus' holy name, amen.